Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. There's nothing like the fun of children's imaginations, and this next book is all about that. It's titled, Maybe There's a Lion Behind the Curtains. The author, M.A. Obergowicz, is here with me right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Mike, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Glad to be here. How can you tell me about Maybe There's a Lion Behind the Curtains? This sounds like a lot of fun. Well, it was a story I made up for my little girls when they were small, and they loved it, and they always wanted to hear it when I came home from work before they went to bed. I used to make up a lot of little stories for them, but that was one of their favorite ones. Have you ever written a book before, or is this your first time? I have had a couple technical papers published, but this is the first book I've ever written. Wow, yeah, children's book is quite different. Than technical writing, what was the experience like for you? Was it tough or did it come easy for you? It was pretty easy because I knew the story. I'd just been telling it so many times. I just writing it down was a little different than saying it, but it was pretty easy to do. Hmm. And when it came to the illustrations, was that a smooth process? <laughs> yes and no. I knew what I wanted, and it was kind of hard to explain to someone else what you see in your mind. Hmm. Overall, the illustration wasn't that bad. So are you thinking of writing more after this, maybe continuing, maybe a series kind of thing or something else? My daughters are after me to write another book or two, some of the other stories they've remembered. So I kind of wrote one down. I haven't done much with it yet, but I've got another one I'm working on and maybe get published. Hmm. Mike, do you have advice now for aspiring writers? Try it. It's worth it. It was fun. It was a different experience, but it was a fun experience. I would say if you feel you're a writer, try it and see. This sounds like a story you'd been telling for a while, so you sort of had it in your mind. You knew what it was, but did you ever deal with writer's block? On the next one, I did have some issues because I had told different versions of it. I'd get to a point, then I'd just black out, and I could remember where I was going. But the first one was so easy because I had been telling that to the grandchildren also now, so that one was really simple. It sounds like a, a really special book for you and your family. So when you got that first physical copy in your hands after all that time of working on it, uh, what was going through your head? What were you feeling? <laughs> it was like, wow, I did it. it was, <laughs> this is me. I, I published something real and for fun. <laughs> it, was, it was a great experience. I had never, you know, it was just plain awesome. Mm. Was it a long process for you? How long did it take from beginning to end? From when I first submitted it, it took approximately six months, I would say, to get it from submission to actual written copy. Time we went through the illustrations, the proofreading, and everything else. Now, when it comes to being a reader, you know, oftentimes people that write also love to read. Are you a, a big reader yourself? Oh, yes. I, I, I'll read anything but political matter. I love <laughs> reading. <laughs> That is my pastime. I'm retired now, and I do much more reading than I was able to do when I was working, so I definitely enjoy reading. A lot of people tell me the more reading you do, it often inspires you to want to write more. 
And you're often better at the writing that you do do by doing more reading. Probably because you see what other people and you see how they put their stories together and stuff. And when you're doing yours, you remember this little technique or that little trick. And it kind of helps you with yours, too, by knowing how other people did theirs. Absolutely. Well, Mike's book is called Maybe There's a Lion Behind the Curtains, written by M.A. Obergowicz, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you buy your books, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and down the street at your local bookstore, too. Well, Mike, thank you again for coming on the show here. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this. Gambling addiction has crippled so many lives. Author Scott D. Wise takes readers on the journey of how he overcame this weakness in his book, For Goodness Sake, Stay Out of the Casino. Scott is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Scott, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Can you tell me what you've written about here in For Goodness Sake, Stay Out of the Casino? Well, I think more than anything, it's, it's a journey. It's, a, it's storytelling. Hopefully it provokes thoughts. Mostly it's uh, an encouraging message of hope, you know, for those who fall into the devil's world of temptation and a map of God's way to redemption, obviously through Christ and the Holy Spirit, and hopefully a guide to uh, better choices in their life. And you've described this as quite a bumpy road in getting back, getting victory. You say, be prepared to clench your fist, to shake your head in amazement, to shed a tear and smile with amusement. So it sounds like there were so many ups and downs for you. Well, there was. You know, I wrote in the book about my first trip or a couple of trips I took to Atlantic City. One, which was back in the day when they used to have to pay $15 to park. And I thought, well, I'll just save that money for lunch. And they used to have those uh, steel concrete stops, you know, that they kind of pound in. So I parked in front of it, went to the casino, played my normal game of craps, you know, feeling this is a a little refresher weekend for me. Well, obviously I lost, uh, you know, about $300, but I had good credit. So I pulled out 600 and thought I would just make one bet and double my money. Of course, that didn't work out too well. So I walked back to my car mad and forgot about that big stop, you know, that cement stop that was in front of my mm. car. Went forward, and of course, up went the car, off went the muffler. And I think God was trying to talk to me then. But as I rode home, you know, the muffler was too loud. I couldn't hear much. <laughs> you can imagine I didn't feel too refreshed the next morning. Wow. <laughs> Was there anything in particular that prompted you to write your story and to tell it to the world? I felt, you know, when this COVID had happened, going to uh, like a gambler's anonymous meeting and so forth, I think there's a lot of good people that just fall into temptation. The first chapter of my book is about a young man, Rob, who things were okay for him in life. You know what I mean? He was working a, a regular job, wasn't rich or anything like that, but had a good wife and son. But as he spent more time in the casino, unfortunately, his wife was working a, a part-time job. And as she was leaving to t- drop off the child to be watched so he could make his last trip to the casino, which he said he would, um, unfortunately, she pulled out in front of a tractor trailer. He had no money. Mm-hmm. And I found him when I was at Atlantic City one time begging for food on the boardwalk and his life had changed just because he had turned to a path of what he thought would be some fun and a little bit of extra money when when he really all he needed was you know contentment Mm. and those things wouldn't have happened 
that's kind of the sad part of it. The victories are, you know, there was women and, and men that I've met that, that overcome diseases such as gambling and have lived fruitful lives, you know, I mean, productive lives, you know, happy lives. And I think that's, that's the victory. I, I hope that even if it touches one person like a rod that can turn the dial of, of what they're falling into and uh, live a happy, fruitful life as, as I feel I am also, then it's all worth it. But that's basically what prompted me. I thought God was saying, you know, Scott, even if it's not a million-dollar seller, if it reaches one person and can turn them from, you know, the devil into my grace and the wisdom and, and uh, gifts that God gives us, then that's all worth it to me. Absolutely noble purpose. Thank you for reaching out to help others. Now, what's your writing background like? Have you ever written before? Have you ever been published before this? Oh, I mean, besides being like worship leader and writing little many sermons and things of that, helping out in church, this is what God had taught me to do. This is my first book. I, I, I don't see myself as writing another, but... About how long were you working on this from when you first started writing it till it hit bookshelves? I would say about four months. But of course, it, the work itself transpired for about 40 years. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that was the real work right there. That's correct, yeah. So do you have advice now for aspiring authors who are looking to write their first book? I feel if it's going to give God glory, and if it moves you know, just one person to do something inspiring or it helps them in their life, then yeah, I, I would say certainly if that's what you're feeling that God's calling you to do, then you should do it. Scott, did you have a person in your life who was motivating, encouraging, sort of on your team and behind you while you were writing this? Well, probably the Holy Spirit more than anything. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I certainly didn't want to do it, you know, for pride or for money or anything like that. And, and I don't mean to try to sound, you know, self-righteous or anything like that. Again, I, you know, I thought if this is going to help others, and there's stories in it that are, again, uplifting that, that I think inspire people, you know. There's a story of, of a, you know, a woman in church that I think will inspire. Some of the things I wrote about was, I think that when we have some humility and God's in our lives, then, then our, our mindset is, is a whole lot of thinking. And, I, and I've walked both paths, believe me. I've been certainly greedy and wanted more. And, and other times, I, 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 you know, I, I know that there's a contentment in my life that I've just got to get up and say, hey, I have work, I have health. You know, I have a family, I have a home, I need to count my blessings. Is things going to be hard today? Maybe so, but you know what? God will see me through it. Mm. Scott, thank you for your heart to help others. The name of the book is For Goodness Sake, Stay Out of the Casino, written by Scott D. Wise and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere you get your reading material. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Scott, thanks again for coming here on the show with me tonight. I had a really nice time chatting. Well, I appreciate it. I think if I would want to end with anything, I'll end with Micah 6.8, which I've quoted in my book. He has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with your God. If we do that, I think our life certainly is something that we can be grateful for. Mm, thank you, Scott. You're welcome. Thank you. Humanity needs to rise to the next level of consciousness, according to the new book by John Entsua, titled The Great Mission of Jesus Christ on Earth. I'm really happy to be talking with John right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. John, thank you so much for being here with me tonight. Thank you. 
Can you tell me what your book is all about? My book is all, it's all about, about the awakening of the Christ consciousness in the heart of humanity. That's what Jesus Christ came to do. So in my book, I wrote about on earth today. Many Christians and humanity have now reached a stage where they must make a shift into the next level of their consciousness to enable them to communicate with Jesus Christ through prayer, meditation, and fasting to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to complete their ascension or rapture. Was there anything in particular that inspired you or gave you the idea to write this? Yes, I went through, I had an encounter with the Lord. So I went through constant prayer, meditation, and fasting, the same principles. So during that time, I went through all kinds of inspiration. In other words, all kinds of revelation. Okay, when I started my prayer, meditation, and fasting, the Lord revealed so many things to me. He manifests himself to me. Now, let me tell you some of my experience. Mm-hmm. My experience and encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Through intuitive direction, I learned that prayer, meditation, and fasting are the greatest tools that our Godparent has given us to use to crawl our way back to him. Prayer is talking to God, transmitting energy to God, which contains what you want from God. And meditation is intuitive listening to God within your soul, with your inner ears, to receive energy from God, which contains your desires. Fasting prepares your body, your soul, by removing all the restraining forces and spiritual blocks from your soul, body, and so that the Holy Spirit energy can flow freely from God into your heart to communicate. With this in mind, I devoted my time to prayer, meditation, and fasting. I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to open up my spiritual eyes that I might be able to see him and my spiritual ears so that I might be able to hear him, so that I might become a better and more perfect instrument for his great and glorious work on earth. That was how everything began. Hmm. Then one day, as I was in a meditative state, I felt a quickening movement in my heart. It was soft, sweet feeling of joy that spread throughout my entire body. I see that invisible water or energy had poured into me. It penetrated my core and every cell of my being and gave me a sweet joy and a sense of inner knowledge that my prayers had been fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ. The next intuitive direction was constant prayer, meditation, and fasting. Dreams were also constant. Every night's sleep was as if I was putting my physical body down and going to another world to receive training. I would wake up in the morning and know what to do. Sometimes I would know which of the Psalms to read as my prayer and message from the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. This intuitive and meditative experience taught me that my heart is the teacher and my mind is the student. The student must always communicate with the teacher and learn and practice. It made it clear to me that the heart is the shepherd and the mind is the sheep. The sheep must always submit to the good shepherd for divine guidance and protection in order to reach its destination. This is the foundation of my life. So as I continue with this, the Lord continued to reveal to me so many things. He opened up my spiritual eyes and ears and showed me the vision about coming to America to go through all kinds of training. I attend other educational systems like Summit University, where I learn about the nature of God, creation, about so many things. And now 
I reached a stage where the Lord had already inspired me to write this book to give to the world that prayer, meditation, and fasting is the key to connect directly with Jesus Christ, to receive the atonement power of the Holy Spirit and the light of Christ, to activate your Christ consciousness, to enable you to enter into the kingdom of God. The Christ consciousness issue is what is missing in the Christian churches, in some of the Christian churches today. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and the light of Christ is to activate your Christ consciousness to be able to communicate directly with Jesus Christ to receive divine direction, to receive new information, new prophecies. The activation of your Christ consciousness will give us the ability to cancel out so many things like the Amagadon, which is about to happen. All these energies can be transmuted and be canceled out by the power of the Holy Spirit when we can communicate directly with Jesus Christ and the entire citizens of heaven. We cannot do these things by ourselves unless our spiritual communication between Jesus Christ and the citizens of heaven is fully established. Not, not only by mere reading the Bible and quoting and telling stories alone. The development of our spiritual communication, that means the receiving of the Holy Spirit through prayer, meditation, and fasting, that will enable us see through prayer, meditation, and fasting to connect directly with Jesus Christ to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts to activate our Christ consciousness is the solution. But they don't talk about Christ consciousness awakening. They always talk about salvation, salvation. How can a person be saved without the empowerment of salvation, an empowerment of the Christ consciousness? See, we are shifting from our human conscious to Christ consciousness, from human conscious being to Christ conscious beings. That's what we are doing. That's what we are supposed to do. That's what Jesus Christ brought to us. But you cannot reach that point of attainment unless you learn how to combine your prayer with meditation. Prayer alone is not enough. You need to combine your prayer with meditation to complete the circuit of your spiritual communication system with Jesus Christ, to activate your spiritual brain centers, to open up your spiritual eyes, to open up your spiritual heart, and all these things have to take place within us to complete our ascension, to complete our Christ consciousness, followed by ascension or rapture. This is the message of my book. The name of the book is The Great Mission of Jesus Christ on Earth. It's written by John Entsua and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere you shop for your reading material. John, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a really nice time talking. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. How does a person decide to start robbing banks? That's the story that unfolds in A Rock and a Hard Place, the new book by Shane Townsend. Shane's with me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Shane, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Pleasure to join you tonight. This is an interesting story that you tell in A Rock and a Hard Place. Can you tell us what readers can expect? They can expect to be on the edge of their seats throughout the whole book. There's many elements involved in this book, from love to illness, anger, and many other feelings and situations. Shane, can you tell me about the main character of the book? Yeah, Nathan comes from a, a very bad childhood, abusive, emotionally, physically, verbally, a lot of drug use in his household. He spent several periods of incarceration in Minnesota state prisons, but at some point he got it, you know, just out of the blue. He figured it all out that he needs to forgive in order to stop his drug use and break the cycle. You know, he decided he didn't want his children to have to go through what he went through, both in life and in the household when he did have children. So once he came out of prison for the umpteenth time, he decided to stay on the straight and narrow and he got a job and he worked his job 
until he fell in love and he had a recurring illness called irritable bowel syndrome. His illness caused him to lose that job and the lady in his life, Brandy, couldn't handle the situation. She was weak in that way, not supportive at all. You know, and she was riding him, and at some point, he just couldn't take it anymore, and he just decided to start robbing banks. He saw it on the news at one point. He saw three bank robberies on the news in one day, and uh, he saw that the people were getting away with it because the pictures were so grainy, the video, that you couldn't tell who they were. So he hatched a plan to start robbing banks, and that's what he did. Wow. Uh, where'd you get the idea for this story? Well, I myself am actually the basis for the story. Oh, wow. It is fiction. There's a lot of things that have been changed or embellished for other people's privacy. Wow. Have you ever written before? Is this your first book? Yes, it is my first. Well, I've written. I, I, I have a, also have a book of love poems out oh, wow. called Love's Many Colors. So I've been writing for a while, for uh, maybe 15, 20 years. But for some odd reason, I don't. I can't explain it to you. One day I just sat down and started writing. Well, that's great to have a novel out there now. About how long were you working on this? Well, I started it, I wrote. I actually wrote it without any dialogue in 2013. And then five years later, I picked it back up and decided to add the dialogue to it. So it's only been finished since about 2018. And do you have advice for other authors who want to publish their first book and get out there? Yeah, just for me, I mean, my experience is, just start writing. It's never going to get done if you don't start writing. You can go back and polish it up later. Yeah, that's good advice. Uh, Shane, what do you do when you get writer's block? Put it down for a minute. I mean, I think that's really what happened with that five-year gap in between me writing the book and the initial part of the book and then coming in and adding the dialogue. Uh, what are the chances you're going to write another? Very good. I've actually started the sequel to that one. I haven't gotten very far. I've only done the first chapter, not even the first chapter, the prologue. Is there anything you're going to do significantly different this time around? I don't think so. Uh, well, yeah, actually, I've actually added dialogue initially in this one to hmm. begin with. I actually want to try to do that throughout the book. Now, oftentimes, writing is a lot of fun, but you're all by yourself so much of the time. It can be so lonely, and it helps if you have people in your life that know that you're writing, that uh, know that you're taking this on, and it's a lot of work. So did you have anybody who was sort of on your team, encouraging you, motivating you while you were writing? While I was writing, no, I basically just was in solitude and wrote the book without much support. I don't think a lot of people actually believed that I was going to finish the book and have it published. Oh. So how'd you feel once you got that first physical copy in your hands after all these years, after all that hard work and having such a personal element involved in it? so wonderful. I, I can't even describe how good it felt. I take a lot of pride in that particular book. I've read the book actually myself a couple of times, kind of like in disbelief. Hmm. Oh, I actually did that? <laughs> the book's called A Rock in a Hard Place, written by Shane Townsend, published by Fulton Books. You can find it everywhere you shop for your books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Shane, thanks again for joining me tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much, and you have a great night. What's coming in the days, months, and years ahead of us? Author Annette K. Mazone explores this in her new book, Lily Among Thorns, Song of Solomon 2-2, In the Last Days, 2 Peter 3-3. I'm really happy to welcome Annette to the show right now. 
Annette, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Oh, thank you. Can you tell me what you've written about in Lily Among Thorns? The 20th century should have taught humanity how it is the world could spin out of control and be led into two world wars when a tyrannical ruler seizes power. But sorry to say the worst is yet to come. And here in the decades of the 21st century, the current wars of society will lead to an antichrist, the global leader the Bible speaks of as that man of sin, as written in 2 Thessalonians 2.3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. The consequences thereof is what happens when a Bible-believing Christian becomes enemy number one in this new oppressive world order. Here is the story of one such young woman in her mid-twenties, whose horrific crimes against humankind is her love for the Lord and her belief in the Bible as it is written. She is but one of many and through a tremendous loss of family and love, with the long arm of the law ramping up a complete surveillance society. She manages to keep the faith and along the way, finds the faith of others are everywhere. And as it is written in Genesis 50:20, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. <laughs> Would you say this book then is a novel, basically it's fiction? Yes, it's a, it's a fictional account, and it's based on what, what transpires with a young girl as I've said, and the main character is a young woman in her mid-twenties, and the trials she endures in the last days prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Was there anything in particular that inspired you or gave you the idea to write it? What inspired me, I would say, would, would have to be the Lord himself. My passion for the Lord and to do his will, and to be a bit more clear on that, but except to say that the, it was an incredible journey and a most agreeable one at that, the inspiration came from his word itself. And my passion to express my own feelings, not my own feelings, but the culmination of what possibly could come to pass. It's like a what-if type of scenario. (laughs) I'm curious about the scripture in the title of the book, Solomon 2.2 and 2 Peter 3.3. Could you talk about that? Sure. Solomon 2.2 is where I got my character's name and the title of the book. Song of Solomon 2.2, as a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. I took it from there because I wanted to have the title associated with God's Word, and my main character, I always liked that name, Lily. So, hmm. In the last days, Second Peter 3.3, 3, how does that tie in? That ties in with what my character goes through. In the beginning of the book, I would say that she goes through the normal trials of life and what happens to her as she takes a stand and the world progressively becomes a demonic regime, really, of the man of sin. She finds herself at odds with a world that's gone astray, and she faces all these trials and tribulations. What really remains constant is, I would say, it's a love story. Hmm. And there is love story portion. There is a love story in there with other characters in the book. But through it all, she has one, one love that remains constant. That was her first love, and that's her love for the Lord. Hmm. When I say it's a love story, it's really a love story between her and the Lord. 
So what's your writing background like, Annette? Uh, is this the first thing you've had published? This is the first I've had published. Oh, wow. And I've been working on it for so long, I feel like it's my vocation anyway. <laughs> How long did it take you? It's taken me quite a few years, and I'd say decades, because I've been living life, you know, as you go through. And then through the years, a lot of things have happened as far as news and, and our own current situations. And hmm. So it's taken on a little twist and turns to keep up with what's happening in our current time and place. And from a biblical perspective, I would say that would be the way I approached how what's happening in our current times and times past. Well, congratulations on your first published work. That's a big deal. Do you have advice now for aspiring authors who want to get their first one out there, too? If I were to give advice, I would say with what my mother had told me when I was younger is to never give up. And for my own advice, I would tell someone to enjoy the journey. Mm. And God's timing is perfect. And the reason why I wanted to actually make sure I said these things is because it is truly what kept me going and to keep on keeping on to never give up and enjoy the journey while while you're doing it. And if it looks like, you know, you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel when you think, when the timing that you think should be, but God, that's when God's timing comes into play because you just have to leave that in his hands, but you have to keep trying. You have to keep, if you feel, you know, in your faith and your spirit that this is what the Lord wants you to do, and this is his gift to you. The way I approach it is I give this gift back to him mm. for the betterment of his kingdom and give him the glory. That's what I wanted to emphasize. The book is called Lily Among Thorns, Song of Solomon 2-2 in the Last Days, Second Peter 3-3, published by Christian Faith Publishing and written by Annette K. Mazone. You can get this everywhere that you shop for books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Annette, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a very nice time chatting with you and learning about the book. Okay, well, thank you, Corey. Thank you so much. The calling to follow Christ is easier said than done. And that's why Dr. Eddie Hare Jr. encourages ministry leaders in his new book, Up Periscope, Building Through a Storm, really happy to welcome Eddie to the show right now. Eddie, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Can you tell me all about Up Periscope? It basically, it started off probably a long time ago uh, as far as uh, just a thought in my spirit that I had. I jotted the information down and I just kind of put it away, never thinking that I would ever go back to that and uh, actually use it. When the opportunity came and I was going to a Bible college, I got an opportunity to do a thesis on the title Up Periscope, but it had a different name at that time. It was Up Periscope, Living Below the Grace Line. That's what it started out to be. And then when I went to another Bible college, the one that I graduated from and got my doctorate, my dissertation was written on Up Periscope building through a storm. So it kind of metamorphosed from where it was at the beginning mm. to where it ended up to be. I think it's really interesting you brought up the fact that, you know, a while back you had these ideas and you wrote them down and then you put them away for a while. And it just so happened that now's the time to 
release it to the world. Is that something you do regularly when you when you come up with things? You sort of write them down and then put them away, and maybe maybe they'll be useful again later. Yeah, I that was part of my conditioning. <laughs> I, had, I had developed, you know, kind of writing things down, you know, and so I have tons of paper. And boy, I'm telling you, uh, sometimes it gets very difficult to try to remember. Okay, when did I when did I do that? If, if I don't put all the information, the dates and times. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it can get it can get uh, very confusing. Oh, how much have you written before this? Is this your first published work? This is absolutely my first. Mm, congratulations on that. It's <laughs> such a big deal to get your first one out there. How's it feel? It, it's um, still, um, how can I say it? I'm still kind of developing the realities of what is in place. <laughs> still sinking in, huh? Right. It hasn't, yeah, it hasn't really just uh, totally sunk, uh, sunk in yet. <laughs> what was the most challenging part about it? For me, it wasn't really challenging at all. The book is basically written to tell a story that I was actually going through. Mm. When I was pastoring in Stockton, California, the church is on the three acres of property. You know, when I got there to the ministry, that three acres would, had been used for different things. But we decided to talk to a developer that was interested in doing a project there with with the former pastor that never came to fruition. So when I got there, I kind of was picking up all of the pieces and we decided to go ahead and talk to that developer. And he wanted to turn that area into a senior living center for the homeless. And so that's how, you know, we got started in this thing. And the book is really telling the story of how I had to maneuver my way through that process and the difficulties it was dealing with church folks when you're trying to get them to see a vision that sometimes many of them can't grasp the concept. That's really where the book came from, a periscope building through a storm, because there were many storms that came on board during the process of getting turning this uh, thing that uh, was just a thought into reality. The book just kind of explains that in dealing with leadership in the church. What are the chances of writing another book? Do, have you given that any thought? <laughs> I, um, I it just, it kind of, kind of like it went by real quick. <laughs> <You> <laughs> know, it, it came in and it just, whoop, okay, <laughs> there it goes. But I don't know. I it was so. It, I'm telling you, this this was not an easy uh, accomplishment, mm. but it was well worth the attention that I put to it because I used it as my dissertation for my doctorate. The book came from my dissertation, and so that's how I was able to later and you know talking with some people, and then I seen a commercial about Christian Faith Publishing, and then I just said, hmm. I think I'll call them and see if they would look at my work and see if it in the future could actually become a book. And, you know, the rest is history. Mm. Do you have advice now for aspiring authors who also want to get their first book out there? Don't ever give up. <laughs> if you have something that is in your spirit, you know, you must allow that to grow and mature and nurture, be nurtured. And then you do what you need to do to get that information out because unbeknownst to us all, we don't know who's going to be affected positively from what you have experienced 
yourself. So it's always good to just follow your your first, I, what I call it, that you follow your first notion mm. of something like that happening. Just follow it to the conclusion. Yeah, that self-doubt can be the biggest enemy that writers oh face. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> That's so true. Eddie, I'm sure you know writing can be so much fun. There's so much joy in that process, but it's very lonesome. You're by yourself pretty much all the time doing this on your own. Right. And it can be really helpful to have people who know that you're writing, who know you're doing this and taking this on, and they can be there to be your support, your encouragement, and maybe your motivation. Right. Did you have anybody in your life like that? Yeah, I had a, I actually, to be honest with you, I had a team. I had a couple of people from the ministry that I was pastoring that, you know, they had done some work on uh, writing. And of course, my wife, you know, she she's probably the creator of all of the activity that's going on and making sure we stay on point with whatever we're doing. <laughs> so I had, I had that pushing me to get the paper out. And I was really thankful for the ones that God had placed around me to help me get through that process. Because, you know, at one point I was getting frustrated because I didn't know how to put things together in this proper perspective that people will understand what I'm talking about. You know, through the grace of God, we got it done. Mm. It certainly is a blessing to have those people in your life. Oh, absolutely. Eddie's book is called Up Periscope, Building Through a Storm, written by Dr. Eddie Hare Jr. and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you shop for your reading material, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Eddie, thanks again for coming by the show. I had a really nice time talking with you. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. A lot of us feel beaten down by life. And there's hope in the new book by Coley Q. Bethany, titled Voices Lost, Spirit Found, The Journey of Finding Your Voice. I'm really happy to welcome Coley right now, joining me on the Reader House Author Roundtable. Coley, thank you so much for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about Voices Lost, Spirit Found? Just like as you said, everybody gets beaten up by life. Everybody has hard times that they go through and prayerfully they overcome. But sometimes when we go through these hard times, you know, we lose the ability to speak up for ourselves or we don't even want to. But having repressed emotions, you know, you just learn to not speak up because nobody's listening anyway. So this workbook takes you through the steps of what's the possible reasons of why you have these repressed emotions, why you're not speaking up for yourself anymore. And then we talk about healthy and unhealthy coping mechanisms, things that we do like anger. A lot of people resort to anger as a first resort. Mm. but you know, anger is still a healthy emotion. God gets angry. It's just how you express it. Mm. That's where it comes in, where it's healthy or not healthy. But there's also, you know, other healthy coping mechanisms, journaling, talking with a friend, and of course, praying, because God's the best person you can speak to anyway. Mm. It just takes you through, walks you through, like, what happened, what you can do better, you know, gives you different ideas, because sometimes you don't even know what to do. I like the fact that this is a workbook and it encourages interaction. Did you have a certain target readership in mind whenever you wrote this? My target audience, I believe, is Christian women. Hmm. Women go through a lot, period. Especially if you become a mother, then it's a whole lot more. Women, we take on a lot. Hmm. 
we take on a lot of roles and responsibilities and we're responsible for so much and so many other people that sometimes we, we forget about ourselves. Taking self-care is very important mm-hmm. to take care of yourself so that you're able to take care of other people. Even if you're not a Christian, it's still a lot of strength-based things that can get you through your hard times. Was there something in particular that inspired you or, or gave you the idea to write this? I was writing this as I was going through my own divorce and lost my ability to speak up and didn't want to say anything anymore because everything I said went in one ear and out the other anyway. So I, you know, I went through it. I went through not wanting to say anything anymore because I didn't think it would change anything. But, you know, God showing me, you need to write this book. And at first I said, Lord, you want me to write the book? I don't know about that. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, I, I went through it and I just wanted to help someone else because, you know, a lot of people feel like they're out there on their own in the world. And that's not true. That's not how God made us to be. He made us to desire community. And we need that. So have you thought about maybe writing more in the future? I'm actually working on a second book as we speak. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's about divorce, actually. I don't put any gritty details about my own. <laughs> but, you know, just the realization of, you know, what happens to our inside ourselves when we get divorced. It's a comparison to um the Jerusalem wall. Like a wall, everything inside it. Back in those times in the wall, that protected the whole city. And so everything you needed and desired and was protecting was in that wall. And it's the same thing in a marriage. Everything that you're supposed to have is in your marriage. And when you have a divorce, that's like a a breach in your wall. And what do you do after that? Well, thank you for taking the hardships that you've been through and using those to reach out and help others. The name of the book is Voices Lost, Spirit Found, The Journey of Finding Your Voice. It's written by Coley Q. Bethany and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere you shop for your reading material, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, down the street at your local bookstore as well. McCauley, thank you again for joining me here on the show tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. Yes, this was great. Thank you. Explore the amazing story of salvation and the significance of judgment. In the new book, Comes Judgment. The author, Tom Hoskins, is chatting with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Tom, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Well, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. Can you tell me all about Comes Judgment? Well, I kind of hate to refer to it as a book. It's more like a handbook mm-hmm. about heaven and hell and how you get there. And it's kind of like a roadmap. I was moved to do it about a year ago, a year and a half ago. It only took two or three months to write, but it took a year to publish. It's designed to help people figure out which way you're going to go. You've probably heard of Yogi Berra. Yes, sir. He famously said, if you come to a fork in the road, take it. And a lot of people I tell that to, they just look at me with blank stares. And I go like, well, the point is, you, you, <laughs> he didn't say which way to go. Mm. And a lot of people think, well, I'll take care of that when I get a chance, you know, uh, when I get to it, when I get around to it. Well, if you don't get to that fork in the road, then you've made a choice. According to the Bible, you, you either accept Christ as your Savior or you don't accept Christ as your Savior. And there's only two options. It's not a web at the end of the road. It's a fork. 
I try and explain it to people so that they can be informed. I'm a retired teacher. Have you written a book before? Is this your first one you have out there? I have one I wrote about eight years ago that Oprah hasn't discovered yet. <laughs> and so I'm not, until I get in somebody's book club, it's called When I Was a Kid, but it's not, a, it's not an autobiography. It's about growing up in Davis, California in the 60s. And I wrote it so that people would know that the kids today have a little difficult time. <laughs> Things are going on that we just never even imagined. And I think it's much more difficult growing up today. So the book was about people like you and me mentoring them and letting them know somebody cares. Hmm. I wanted to write that for 20 years because I taught junior high school and, and I saw so many kids who got lost, you know, I just felt alone. Yeah. So that's what that book was about. And maybe it'll do better if, if this one does better. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought, wow, you know, you, you only, it just dawned on me, and I've known it for years, you only have two choices. You either go into heaven, you go into hell. And the Bible explains that, and it upsets a lot of people. Mm. It's almost an offensive concept because they go like, don't judge me. And I go, well, you're missing the point. I'm not allowed to. Mm. But the creator, he set it up, he explained it. And in the early part of the book, I spend two or three pages explaining the historicity behind Christ. And then I refer them to other books like Josh McDowell's Evidence in a Man's a Verdict. And Lee Strobel wrote one called The Case for Christ. Well, if you want to you know, read a whole book, you can, but I did about three pages on it. And then I led people to believe that I put my heart and life into it. And you can either choose to accept that or not accept that. That's, that's the thing. God doesn't judge you. You make your own decision. That's a gift he gave us. You're free. You said it was about eight years ago you published your last book. And in eight years, a lot has changed. Technology changes, the way people oh. do things change, the speed that everything goes at definitely changes. So did you see a significant change in the way that you wrote this and, and published this one as opposed to before? Well, the first one made a big mistake. I self-published mm. and nobody even, I, I, I think I've sold 50 copies in seven years. I don't know. Mm. I've already sold 50 copies of this one because I stopped giving them away for one thing. Mm. <laughs> and a lot of people around me have gotten into it, but things have changed dramatically, as you know. I mean, we had this little insurrection or whatever you want to call it. And the, and the, the virus has put a lot of people on edge. Democrats and the Republicans are at each other's throat. Yeah, it's in fact, my first line in it, I think, is these are times that try men's souls, mm. which I stole from Tom Paine. But Still rings true. It's so true today. And, and so I want people to know, you know, Kobe Bryant took off in the fog and he didn't get where he wanted to go. Well, the basic tenet of the book is if you don't make up your mind before the time comes, you've made up your mind. Mm. If you don't make a choice, you make a choice. You either accept Christ and you're forgiven your sins or you don't. And that sounds harsh to people, but it's a real easy choice. It was easy for me once you... You know, I think I'd like to be forgiven. <laughs> yeah, we all do. Yeah. So what's the chances you'll be writing again, writing more, getting more published? Oh, you know what? It's not, it's not really my thing. I like talking with people like you. Mm. I like enjoying people. The idea of writing when I was a kid just came to me 20 years ago because I saw so many kids were in divorced families. And, you know, and today it's, it's just ridiculous. And when I was a kid, I didn't even know what divorce meant until I was about 13, and I went, what? So it's changed so much. So I was compelled to write that one, and then this one came along, and I thought, I really need to write this because 
I'm not inventing the concept, but a lot of people just don't really get that the Bible isn't condemning people. Christ didn't condemn people. He said, hey, there's a way out of this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because I believe he walked and breathed and died on, you know, on the cross, he existed. He's got the credentials. So I listened to him and he says, hey, I can make your life eternally. You can live in heaven. And while you're here, you can have a good time too, if you, if you care to, you know? Absolutely. Do you have advice for aspiring authors? You know, you've been through this a couple times, been published and been through what it takes to write a book and get it out there. What things have you learned that you could pass on? Well, you have to learn to be patient because you can write it and then getting it published is kind of complex today, unless, hmm. unless you're uh, John Steinbeck or somebody, nobody <laughs> knows who you are and you can't get off the ground. But if you're going to write a book, write about something that you, you feel in your heart, something that excites you. You know, even if it's, it's fiction, if it turns you on, and then do it. Otherwise, you know, it's like teaching. Don't teach unless you love teaching, mm. unless you care about kids. And you know, I see people get into stuff that they're not designed for. And if you want to write a book, put your heart in it, and then don't worry about it. <laughs> absolutely. That passion is absolutely necessary. You have to be passionate for what you're writing about. And Tom, I can tell you have passion for this. Tom's book is called Comes Judgment. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can find it everywhere you shop for your reading material on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Tom, thank you again for joining me. I had a really nice time finding out about your book and chatting with you. Well, thanks. It was a privilege. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Podserve, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 